from the Wayne Sumner Studio. My recommendation is in honor of the British Bodie McBoatface. It's uh, Sonny McCarface. Broadcasting live in Boone, North Carolina on 90.5 WASU-FM. You're driving and you think you start getting hungry and you're like, oh, I have a Dunkin' Donuts app on my car. Why not I just buy 12 donuts? Around the world on iHeartRadio and WASURadio.com. It's astonishing what you've done. You managed to have a three-car pileup on a road with a speed limit of 25 miles per hour. Right in front of the police station, too. So, uh, congratulations. This is Loopy Radio. This is Loopy Radio. This is Loopy Radio. I'm Loopy. What day is it? February 27th, 2019. I just saw a great meme today that I've, I've thought about, but this kind of reconfirmed it. It was uh, some guy complaining about how uh, even though February is shorter than every other month, uh, rent still costs the same. Decent thing to think about. What if rents were done uh, by the day? That probably also means that, that they can kick you out any day they want to. Or you can get out any day you want to. So that's probably why it's every month. But uh, thanks for tuning in tonight. Uh, we got a bunch of local stuff. Uh, WASU and AppTV have both been nominated for national awards. And we will find out uh, what all we take home, fingers crossed, on Saturday. Dodgeball for Hope, I've talked about it the past week. It was widely successful. We have a uh, official uh, count on that. High Country Grizzlies, we have a football team, had a football team up here. A professional football team. And uh, if this is the first time you've ever heard that and that's a shock to you, well, it uh, it's not really a shock that we had a football team. Not that we have a football team. So uh, App TV is very young. WASU is actually fairly old. Uh, but nonetheless, we are all part of a conference of um, collegiate media departments. Man, I worded that stupidly. Basically, we, uh, App State, along with a ton of other schools across the country, are all part of this system that uh, we can submit things for awards, national awards. And App State... Uh, especially with radio, I really don't know much about TV. Our TV station is very young, so you can't, like, blame them for not winning billions of awards. But uh, WASU has been around for a long time. We are very well-funded. We are completely student-run. We do a lot of things exceedingly well, uh, uh, in no uh, small part because of uh, the influence of Dan Valley on the people up here. But the IBS Awards, I actually had to write this down so that I'd remember, the Intercollegiate Broadcasting System Awards for 2019 are being held in New York City on Saturday. And actually several of us from both the uh, radio and TV station are heading up there in the wee hours of tomorrow morning in a van. Yeah. But uh, I've got the list here of things WASU has been nominated for. Specifically, uh, the best morning show. The uh, the morning app there, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8 a.m. So specifically, that's uh, Katie, Dovey, and Josh have been nominated for an IBS award. Best morning show. Mackie's waving at me through the window. Hi, Mackie. Everybody say hi, Mackie. Hi, Mackie. 
Everyone's glad they did not see the face Mackie just made. Okay, uh, the, the second thing we've been nominated for, Best Station Playlist, and that specifically is our uh, football tailgate playlist. Not normally played on air, only played during the football tailgates during the football season. I was in the office when Natalie and Katie put that together, so that's, that is their baby. And they, uh, they got nominated for it, and that's definitely one we're looking to uh, bring home a trophy for. Also been nominated for best underwriting spot. We are college stations. We don't have advertisements. We have underwriting. So you can think of it as best uh, piece of advertising. And it specifically is uh, one for the ASU bookstore. Dovidas Abarius, our very own uh, production director, made that one. Best phone app we've been nominated for. We are now not just an Apple app. We are also an Android app, so... We might win that again. We won that one last year. I know that. And then here, uh, here are two fun ones. Best Radio Music Director, Natalie Broom. She has been nominated nationally as the best college uh, music director for radio in the country. We also have Best Social Media Director finalist, Lizzie Mikes. Best Social Media Director. And then uh, another one for Lizzie, best use of social media finalist. Uh, specifically when Lizzie uh, did things online with our specialty show Spotify playlists. Most of the specialty shows we have on, on air here are music shows. Unlike this one. So mine doesn't have a playlist, but if, uh, if you hear a specialty music show and you like the music, chances are that exact playlist that's being used... Uh, is completely at your fingertips on Spotify. And Lizzie had that idea, and she did it. And uh, now she is nominated for a national award. We've actually got a pretty nice trophy cabinet right outside the station with a lot of trophies in it. Only a few years old because if we left all of our trophies in there, we need a storage unit. We'll be right back. I'm Loopy. I'm Loopy. It's always fun getting nominated for stuff like this. There's the kind of the excitement of like the uh, are we gonna win and that kind of thing. But I always have to ask the question, you know, I'm not gonna be Debbie Downer, but uh, how do you, you know, even start going about saying what is the best, uh, like piece of underwriting, commercial, or what's the best playlist? I don't, you know. How do you how do you even start? I mean, it, it, you can obviously see a great playlist and a terrible playlist and be like, yeah, that one's great and that one's terrible. The great one wins. But when you're dealing with all great stuff, I mean, how do you pick a winner? You don't have, like, stats to go off of. You can't be like, well, this quarterback got 17 touchdowns. That one got 15 touchdowns. With this, it's like, I don't know. Does it come down to your personal music preference? I I do not want to be... The person who has to pick the winner. I can see being someone who, or I, I can see having the job of nominating 
and narrowing it down to like five. But man, I don't I don't want to be the one to uh to decide who goes home happy and who else goes home uh disappointed. Something that did not disappoint, Dodgeball for Hope, this past Saturday, last year, they raised about fifteen thousand dollars for a uh, scholarship fund for unexpected mothers here at App State students uh, to just help them with the stress of paying for college because they've got other things to think about now as well. Well, Dodgeball for Hope happened this past Saturday at the uh, Watauga High School. First time they've been in that uh, location. It was an upgrade from last year because they needed it. They were running out of space. Well, a ton of people showed up. Uh, It was a big success. I've talked to several people who were in the event, and they said it was just a blast. This year, they raised $17,328 for this scholarship. $17,300. In one year, from a quite small college town. I think that's pretty impressive. And uh, something uh, good to think back on. Dodgeball for hope. You can start thinking about it next year. It's uh, it's a pretty fun event. Very entertaining, especially when people dress up. I heard there was an entire team of people with mullets. Good stuff. So, yeah, we uh, we used to have a professional football team up here. Professional football team in Boone. Uh, as if our, I guess, as if our college team wasn't cool enough. Uh, They decided we needed a professional team up here. It was an indoor arena football team that played in our basketball arena. I never went to a game, and I still can't picture in my mind how you could possibly play football, professional football, in our basketball arena. But uh, apparently they did. Well, as of yesterday... The Otago Democrat writes, uh, the High Country Grizzlies indoor football team announced on Facebook it is ceasing operations for the 2019 season, which starts would start in a few weeks. They're now folding. The Grizzlies hope to be back for the 2020 season, the majority owners say. But this season uh, looks like it's just not going to work out. It's not like they've really been here for a long time. They were founded in 2016. And they didn't even start playing until 2017. It's now 2019. So really they only had two seasons. They also went through two coaches before uh, the current coach that uh, I guess is not going to have a team for this season. I, I don't know how you could possibly keep alive a professional football team up here. I, Boone? I mean, I can understand, like, Raleigh. They don't have professional football that I know of. Or maybe even, like, Winston-Salem, maybe, but Boone? I mean, we like App State football, but that's because there's a school involved. If you're just trying to create something brand new. And, I mean, this was coming... um, in a time where people were annoyed with the NFL was when the Grizzlies was started. So you kind of had the idea that maybe, you know, maybe possibly people were so annoyed with the NFL that they'd switch to these new 
you know, young, different type of football, indoor football teams. Even though the NFL's ratings are down compared to what they were like, like five years ago, I mean, they're still massive. It's still by far the highest rated sport in America. So these the, the league that the Grizzlies was in, the two leagues actually that they've participated in, uh, are directly competing with the NFL. And not just that, but in the town of Boone, this team was directly competing with App State's football team, which, by the way, is currently ranked ranked 26th in the country. Yeah. They, uh, they wouldn't allow us to uh, have the satisfaction of saying we're a ranked team over the offseason, even though we deserve it. So we're number 26. The, uh, the Grizzlies played the National Arena League. In 2017 and 2018, they moved to the American Arena League. The Nal and the Al. More boot news when we come back. It has to do with water. That's interesting, isn't it? I'm Loopy. College Talk Radio. Loopy without banned substances. I'm Loopy. So we were just talking about uh, the high country Grizzlies folding. Uh, They're remaining optimistic. They're saying it's possible that they'll come back for the 2020 season. It also just so happens, because I really don't know much about this. I'm just reading off a stinking newspaper article, which is really what I do for everything. I don't know anything that I'm talking about. Uh, That includes just normal life in general. But uh, I have here with me, just so happens to be walking through the hallway, just so happens to be wearing a high country grizzly sweatshirt, just so happens to be laughing into the microphone. It's Mackie Gallagher, who was the play-by-play broadcaster for uh, the high country grizzlies. I know. Uh, what? It's it's weird. I don't know. It's been a weird few weeks. So, uh, so you literally just, I, I'm in here doing homework. So I've stepped away from my homework to come on this show. And you said, hey, do you want to be on my show in about four minutes? I was like, sure. What do you want me to talk about? Yeah. So, like, uh, <laughs> from your perspective, like, what was – because you, you've told me that there wasn't really much. Yeah. And I was just joking, by the way. That was just a joke. I don't want you to think I was really, like, berating you saying, what do you want me to no, talk no, no, about? No, 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 no. Because I'm, I'm just trying to think through this here. From what I've heard from you is that you weren't given much word at all. No, and so, real quick, shout out to my color commentator, Gray Salter. He actually bought me this uh, sweatshirt that I'm wearing right now. But, so, here's how I found out about all this stuff. So, Gray and I called the games last season. It was a great experience, great people. I liked the organization a lot. They treated us very, very well. Season ended, and we said, all right, we will see you next year. And so, you know, we've been working some with the Grizzlies in the offseason, keeping, te- uh, keeping in touch, trying to see what's going on. And one day at work, it was like two weeks ago, and inside the arena, a Twitter page, you know, for arena football, tweeted out the Grizzlies logo, the logo that's on my sweatshirt right now, and said, the high country Grizzlies have ceased operations. That was the first. I'm I'm a dishwasher at Red Onion, so I'm sitting on a table with an apron. I'm looking at my phone, and I show my friend Rico, and I'm like, hey, I don't think I have a job anymore <laughs> when it comes to calling games. And so we talked about it. So I called. 
I'm not going to give any names, but I called my friends uh, that worked in the front office. Uh, he gave me the, sp- uh, the spiel about it. And, I mean, it's just basic business. You know, I, I don't think the funds are really there at the moment, although the Grizzlies did have some pretty good turnouts for the fans. Um, me, personally, I love the Potters. They are the owners of the Grizzlies. They treated, like I said, they treated, everybody with the Grizzlies treated Gray and I very well. And we talk about that a lot when Gray and I hang out, how good of an experience that was, especially at the time for a 20- and 19-year-old. Uh, it's now a year later. We're older. Um, but... The thing that kind of like, and I'm gonna. This isn't the play-by-play broadcaster and me coming out. This is just the guy who worked for the Grizzlies and you know had a relationship with these organizations. I don't think they're doing. They're, I definitely don't think they're doing this out of spite in any way. I just think it's kind of odd that we Gray and I still haven't been contacted about it. Right. And and like I said, I don't think it's intentional because we have not seen Willie the uh, Willie Thompson the general manager. We have not seen the owners in a while. When we go into the uh, when we go into the station, it's normally like at night when there, there's only one or two. The person that I mentioned earlier that I was on the phone with, um, and a lot of the other people have already gone home, so we haven't seen them in a while. It's not like we saw them a week ago or a week before they um, ceased operations. But you know, we still haven't um, we still haven't been like told by anybody in the organization. Everything I know is from social media or from the Watauga Democrat. Whatever you're reading is what I know. Yeah, Watauga Democrat. Exactly. So I mean. I don't know. It, it it caught us off guard because arena football. A lot of I I'll be honest. When I got hired to do this job uh, and be the play by play broadcaster, I didn't know anything about arena football. I've been to a one arena football game. I was eight years old. I won the halftime dance contest. Won a ten dollar gift card to Dave and Buster's. Should have I thought it should have been a little bit more money, but that's just me. Um, and so you know you study arena football. This is now my job. I study arena football. Know the rules, players. Know the field links. Know everything because. It is our job to convey to the audience whatever they don't know. And so one thing I learned in arena football, especially the level of arena football the high country Grizzlies are playing in, is that there's a lot, unfortunately, there's a lot of turnaround. There has been some teams that were on the schedule last season that, unfortunately, we didn't get to play them because they just folded through, during the season. And that, it's like that with a lot of sports that aren't, you know, the MLB, the N, uh, the NFL all that stuff. Even the AAF, the uh, American Alliance of Football, I think that's what it's called, the new football uh, league that's out. They just had to have an owner for the Carolina Hurricanes put a lot of money into it to keep them alive. $250 million. To keep them alive. So, see, and it's not just in arena football. And so, although this is sad for the high country community, I really think the Grizzlies were a big part of this community. Like, this isn't, you know, it's business. And you have to have money coming in. And I just think at the moment or for this year, they didn't have enough money. This is my personal opinion. Like I said, I don't know. Um, I don't think they had enough money. That's my opinion. And they are trying to come back for the 2020 season. I don't know uh, how that will come about. I'm, I will be graduated in May, so most likely I will not. I'm, I believe at the at this point in time that last, the last game I called on uh, uh, early May of last year was probably the last game or the last paycheck I was ever getting from the High Country Grizzlies, which I'm – Completely all right with. They gave, they gave Gray and I tremendous amount of experience. Gray and I were lucky enough to be the awarded by 50yarder.com, which is a forum in arena football, a pretty big website for arena football. We were awarded the AAL, the American Arena League Broadcasting Team of the Year. So that was pretty cool. Without the Grizzlies, we would have never been able to achieve that. And we made a, we made a lot of connections, and it's sad to see that it's sad to see this organization go. And I wish everybody the best. I wish the players, coaches. 
And like I said, and going back to where I said where I n- never saw the owners or GM that much so far in the offseason, I still I never met any of the new players or the new coaches because they were supposed to report this month. And then, of course, this month is when stuff started getting uh, shifted around a little bit. But like I said, I th- it was a great experience. I'm sad to see this come. Uh, I still don't know the full story. I'll probably get in contact with some of them later, try to get uh, get a better idea of what was, what happened. But for the two years they were here, I thought I thought they did a very good job uh, integrating into the community and getting fans out to Holmes Convocation Center for their games. Yeah, I never got the opportunity to go, and I kind of wish I did now. I know I, you you, pre- you appreciate. Hey, they may be back up here in 2020. They may be. They you you appreciate things after they're gone. That's right. All right, we come back. Where's your water coming from? Or uh, where should it be coming from? One of my teachers a long time ago said that the worst question to ask the Boone mayor is, where's water going to come from in 10 years? Well, they fixed it. I'm loopy. I'm loopy. I'll never forget because it was kind of funny, but when I was a freshman in my, I believe it was my freshman seminar class, maybe it was another one, but uh, the professor said, you know, if you ever want to stress out the mayor of Boone and get what you know will be a non-answer, ask, where is water going to come from for the town of Boone in 10 years? Well, it was decent timing for the professor to say that because it actually turns out that, uh, they were beginning to fix that issue at about that time. And now it looks like the construction work that's needed to fix Boone's imminent, frankly, imminent water problem is complete. Now we're just down to a few little nitty-gritty things, computer, software stuff, in order to get it running. But think about that. I mean, like, you got a town of thousands of people. You got a university. You know, this can't all go off of, like, well water. Uh, you know, it's just not possible. And apparently the uh, the system they had in place was fine until we reach a critical limit. And that limit is basically been reached. So the town was kind of screwed. And, uh, yeah, that would stress out a mayor. Because that is not something cheap. A game that I loved to play as a kid, and even now when I really feel like it, is SimCity 4. Sim as in S-I-M, not Las Vegas. SimCity 4. One of the things that, until you really figured it out in that game, one of the things that was difficult to get down was A, making water infrastructure that worked, B, finding out how to get it for the right price and see how to get it for enough people. And really that's that's how it comes down to in real life. A lot of people you know have what they have to say about politics and the government and all that stuff. One thing that I think everyone can agree on is that uh once you reach a certain number of people, you need supplied water. You can't just have wells for everybody. That's a no-brainer in my mind. Wells work for small towns and, you know, very distant buildings from each other. 
if the water's there. But when you're up in the mountains and you've got like, you know, close to 40,000 people, 30-something thousand people with students and residents, you know, you got to start pumping in water from somewhere. And it's expensive. And the worst part is making the infrastructure in the first place. So it looks like Boone has finally taken care of this and at no small cost. The Watauga Democrat says nearly two years after construction began on the town of Boone's $42 million raw water intake facility and water treatment plant upgrades, the facilities mired for over a decade in planning, delays and obstacles are now complete. So this is a decade in the making, and it's taken them two years to build it. That's actually not that bad. Compared to, like, I-77 construction, man, two years is pretty fast. The uh, The intake is permitted to withdraw up to 4 million gallons of water per day from the South Fork New River. 4 million gallons of water per day. I don't uh, I can't really fathom what that looks like. I really have nothing to base 4 million gallons of water off of in my mind, but that makes me think that uh this project is going to make the town of Boone a-okay uh, for water supply for a long while. And it's from a river too, so water flows in. It's not like you got a reservoir that might go low for whatever reason. I guess the river could kind of go up and down in volume, but from the South Fork New River. Boone Town Manager John Ward told the uh, town council a few days ago that a work has been completed, visited, and approved by the USDA. So we are done with the Boone Water Intake Project. However, Ward noted that the intake is not yet online or not yet being used as a software contractor is working to install the final components of software that will allow the system to be monitored and operated from the Boone water plant. I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, you have to have that. I think it'd be kind of dumb to have, like, two different sites far away from each other and require both of them to be manned at the same time. So you'd have to, like, double your workforce. So, yeah. But uh, hopefully, I know software can sometimes be tricky, but with this, I bet it's, like, monitoring certain levels of things and being able to remotely control some components to adjust water intake, all this sort of stuff. So hopefully this can be... uh. I mean, probably the mayor and the town council are like, yes, please have it done soon. But uh, Boone water problem solved. Crisis that few people knew about averted. See, this is this is government doing what it needs to do in a pretty good timely fashion. No major issue that everyone's mulling over all the time. And... Uh, they solved the issue well by getting us a water source that looks like it will last a long time. Hard to get political about water.
That's basically it for the Boo News. There's a lot this week, and uh, I had Mackie on. It's been a good week. All right, we'll be right back. I'm Loopy. I'm Loopy. I don't know if I could call this more heady information, but, uh, you know, we're just going to go with that. Certainly not local news, necessarily. But uh, what we're we're looking at here is a real change in a lot of things in American life. The United States is built off of the opportunity to build a business and advertise said business. To get yourself more customers. That's what we're built off of. We are not communists, dang it. So you got to look at to really see what the culture is like, especially when it comes to media. And really, it really gives an insight into everyday living. You've got to look at where is the bulk of advertising money going. Now, I'm not saying like who are the advertising to. Or who is advertising? I'm saying, how is advertising done? So now if, you, if I just say the word advertisement, you know, you might think of a billboard or a commercial. Or uh, whether that be on TV or radio or, you know, like a pop-up ad on the internet, maybe. Or a commercial before a YouTube video. Or one of those really annoying ones on Facebook where you're like 45 seconds into a video. And like the bottom right corner, it's got the little thing starting going. It said, ad coming soon. You're like, oh, my relationship with this video is now over. I don't care if the uh, climax is coming right uh, where this ad is about to show up. I'm not watching it no more. At least that's how I am. But uh, for the first time ever, it is now being reported from the uh, Washington Post. For the first time ever, digital advertising is going to surpass print and TV. For the first time ever, digital advertising. Now, you can just kind of imagine some old newspaper for a long time ago with some, like, local advertisement in it. Yeah, so that was big for a long time. When radio started, there was no advertising. How the money was made was that companies like RCA would sell a radio, and with the radio, you get the programming. So there were no ads. So like once you buy the radio, it was like a lifetime subscription type thing. Which is an interesting way of thinking about it, but uh, it wouldn't be able to get to this kind of a scale that it is now or has been for the past hundred years if they didn't switch to having advertising on radio. Naturally, after radio started doing that, TV came around and became huge. And yeah, we all know about advertising on TV. We all know what that looks like. Print's been there the whole time. They've had advertising the whole time. And so for the past 
you know, dang it, 80 years that TV's been huge, along with print. Print's been going downhill for the past 20 years. Uh, TV's going downhill. Radio has actually stayed the same, but it's not like the dominant thing. Print and TV now, when it comes to advertising, they're going to be getting less money than digital advertising. That says a ton about our culture. I'm not, it's not a bad thing necessarily. It just shows that uh, if you think about this kind of logically, if if the companies are moving to advertising on digital platforms, that means more people are using digital stuff more often than people are watching TV or reading a newspaper or a magazine. I wonder if print counts for like billboards. Because technically that's printed. That's not digital, unless it's a digital billboard. That's, uh, that's a decent question to ask. But there's more money now going into those YouTube ads and those super annoying Facebook video ads and uh, ads on, like, Snapchat Ads just on the side of like a web page. There's more money now going into those than there are going into TV and print. Now, if you're one of these people who thinks TV's sticking around forever, well, you got to start thinking, yeah, well, you know what? We're not on top anymore. And uh, it doesn't look like it's going to go up. Not necessarily. I'm going to dive more into some stats on this here in a second from the Washington Post article. We're talking big numbers, numbers in the billions. Billions of billions and billions of dollars. If you want some entertainment, go uh, search Donald Trump Billions on YouTube. Great compilation video of that. I'm Loopy. I'm Loopy, so we're looking at a big change, uh, well, at least confirmation of a big change in American culture. Advertising has moved. It has moved. Advertising really shows the state of the country. If there's not much advertising going on, then uh, either there's no extra money out there. Or there's no competition to need to advertise against. And America's got a lot of money. It's got a lot of people willing to spend money. And uh, it's got competition. That's the beauty of being a quote-unquote free market. Although we're not. But uh, relative to a lot of other places, we're pretty darn, pretty darn free market. So the Washington Post has been saying that uh, really this year, 
we have seen the confirmation of a change in uh, how advertising is being done. This year, they say uh, the money spent on digital advertising in the United States will surpass that spent on traditional ads for the first time ever. By year-end, eMarketer, which is a group, lowercase e and then marketer, expects companies to spend nearly $130 billion on digital ads compared to about $110 billion on traditional advertisements. So in other words, uh, digital advertising is going to make up 54% of all advertising, over half of all advertising. According to the research firm's projections, spending on digital ads will continue to outpace that of traditional ads. And by 2023, so uh, five-ish years from now, Digital ads will capture more than two-thirds of all ad spending. So they're saying this is not an anomaly. This is just a precursor of what's to come. That in four or five years, digital ads, you know, for an example, like a YouTube ad, that sort of stuff is going to make up two-thirds of of all advertising. You got to start thinking, you know, if if you're the kind of person who makes advertising as a profession, how do you make something unique if everything is on the same platform? You know, you got to really start thinking how to stand out. As opposed to just having a solid advertising campaign across a ton of places, when all the money is really going into one spot, you got to figure out how to make your ad better than everybody else's ad because they're all in the same place. They're all taking similar forms. You know, apart from it being kind of beautiful and the fact that we have a ton of companies out there for a ton of different things, it was kind of nice for uh, advertisers to have a ton of different platforms because you can, you know, Show your company in many different ways and hit all the people. Well, if it's all digital, then everyone's being attacked the same way by all these advertisers. You got to really start to figure out how to be special uh, without uh, being ridiculous. It'll be interesting to see where that goes uh, coming up in the future. So this year, they're expecting 54% of advertising to be digital. The internet has not been around that long, and it has taken over. All right, a little bit more on this uh, when we come back for Hour 2. I'm Loopy. From the Wayne Sumner Studio. How do you think when it says there's a 60% chance of rain? 
Because usually when there's like a 60% chance of rain, it rains some. Which would mean if it's raining, it's a 100% chance of rain. But it's really a 60% chance of rain. So what is it really talking about when it says 60%? Like if it's 90%, you expect it to rain. But it's 90%. That's not 100%. But we all, we all know it's going to rain when it's a 90% chance of rain. So that's 90% as opposed to 100% of what if it's going to rain? I don't know. Broadcasting live in Boone, North Carolina. If, if the average of the Earth is going up by 3 degrees, and Charlotte, North Carolina's average has gone up by like 10, apparently, that means somewhere else is going down 7. This is Loopy Radio, Hour 2. I'm Loopy. Believe it or not, spring break begins in two days. And uh, that essentially means we are halfway through the semester. Halfway. Which means if you're a senior in your last semester of college, you are one-sixteenth away from your four-year degree. One-sixteenth of schooling away. And here at uh, WASU, we're going to miss a lot of seniors. Uh, I believe we have nine on staff. Several uh, who are just DJs, not necessarily staff members. And we've only got 12 staff members total, and nine are seniors. So uh, it's going to be difficult to find people to fill those spots. That said, if you want to apply to be staff member for the station, uh, staff applications are due on Friday. Obviously, you have to be a part of the station in order to qualify. But uh, if you haven't gotten that turned in yet, please do. We need it. Anyway. Uh, exciting news for WASU coming uh, this week. On Saturday, we shall be attending... An award ceremony in New York City for the Intercollegiate Broadcasting System, which is a national uh, system of colleges and high schools, I believe, that all have TV and radio stations. App TV is still a baby, but uh, they'll be attending this. WA, I don't know uh, what awards they've been nominated for, if they've been nominated. But I know they're sending up people just for the fun of it, because why not? Uh, I know WASU, I have the stats down. We've been nominated this year for seven different national awards. Seven. And historically, if WASU gets nominated for an award, we are certainly a favorite to win it. Statistically. So we're looking to come back home with some jewelry. But this is the first year that IBS, the uh, Intercollegiate Broadcasting System, is requiring every school that takes part to send a representative to New York City for a conference and then ultimately uh, an award ceremony. That is this Saturday night with uh, other conference things uh, throughout that day. And we're sending we're sending a bus full of nine people up to this thing, cause why not? 
We've been nominated for seven things. We've been nominated for the best morning show. So uh, the morning app with Katie, Dovey, and Josh and others who uh, come in and out. But Katie, Dovey, and Josh, that's kind of their thing. Best morning show, the morning app, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 8 a.m. here on WASU. We've also been nominated for the best station playlist, which was our football tailgate playlist from this past semester. Uh, that's Katie and Natalie, our program director and our music director, the uh, the two girls who work with me in my office. Uh, they worked so hard on that dang thing, nobody was surprised when they got nominated. We were all like, yeah, of course you got nominated. Nobody was surprised, and uh, hopefully they'll win that one. They deserve it. Uh, the number three best underwriting spot finalist. We don't have advertisements here on the station because uh, we're not like for-profit. We're a college station. So it's called underwriting. Uh, which means there are just some complicated rules that we got to really be careful about or else we get fined. Yay. So uh, best underwriting spot, also known as the best advertisement. Uh, the ASU bookstore spot that has played throughout the year. That was uh, made by Dovey. His real name is Dovey Das Abarius. Just became an American citizen this year. So uh, God bless America. We now have Dovey. We're that much better. Uh, best IF, uh, Best phone app finalist. Uh, the fourth thing we've been nominated for, best phone app finalist. We've had uh, a phone app for a little bit. Not many college stations do, and ours is actually pretty darn good. So uh, we won this award last year. We've been nominated again, and we're just that much better this year because it's not just available on iPhone anymore. It's also available on Android. So uh, check that out. It's free. Download it. It won't kill you. We've got uh, three pretty fun ones that I'll uh, touch on here in a second when we come back. But two of our people have been nominated for Best in the Country. Two of our people. Be right back. I'm Loopy. I'm Loopy. So uh, bright and early tomorrow, me along with uh, eight other people here from the uh, TV station and the radio station will be piling into a van, and we will be driving up to New York City before 7 a.m. We'll be leaving before 7 a.m., excuse me. Yeah, if we wanted to get there by 7 a.m., we'd have to leave it about now. So, uh, yeah, that's not happening. Uh, but still, I, I'm going to be on like four hours of sleep. It's going to be great. Yeah, uh, but it's going to be a fantastic trip. I'm very excited about it. I'm beyond uh, glad. What would the word be? Honored that uh, WASU asked me to go. I'm very excited. I wasn't even nominated for any of these awards. So, uh, yeah, I still get to go, and it's going to be great, and I'll have uh, fun with all these good people. So our morning show has been nominated for an award. Our uh, playlist for football has been nominated, along with an underwriting spot from Dovey. Our phone app has been nominated, but on top of that, two of our people have been nominated for national awards. Our music director, Natalie Broom, has been nominated for a national award. Best music director. 
She also happens to be in charge of App TV and does this as well and still gets nominated for Best in the Country. She works her butt off all the time. She's actually in the office right now working on something. Uh, Lizzie Mike is Best Social Media Director. She has been nominated. Best Social Media Director. So Natalie and Lizzie. Hopefully uh, we'll be getting some national recognition in the next few days. But on top of that for Lizzie, not just as only is she nominated for the Best Social Media Director, she also has been nominated for uh, the Best Use of Social Media. You'd think those awards kind of go hand in hand, but uh, they're two separate ones. And hey, she's been nominated for both. And she got nominated for that because of her use of uh, specialty show Spotify playlists. So whenever one of our music shows, our music specialty shows, uh, has a playlist that they use, she'll post it online for anyone to to listen to again. So yeah, if you if you ever love a playlist you hear on uh, Back to the 80s Night or uh, the B-Sides, then uh, check them out uh, on our website, WASURadio.com. I bet it'll be there. The IBS Awards. So the theme here for the second half of the show is kind of like uh, things to start thinking about for the future kind of happening now or beginning now. So, we, you know, we were just talking about advertising has, you know, it's it's coming up to the point where we're going to start getting statistics in. People are saying that advertising is going to go for the first time ever uh, majority in favor of digital. We're looking at about 54% of all advertising in America being digital as opposed to print or on TV. First time ever. Part of me uh, obviously knows that that's like a big deal and uh, something to take note of when it happens for the first time. But another, another part of me wonders, you know, shouldn't have that happened a while ago? I wouldn't be surprised if I read this art that article and, and it said, you know, this happened like five years ago. That wouldn't shock me. But it hasn't happened yet. And it looks like this is going to be the year where uh, over 50% of all advertising is going to be digital. Here's another thing to think about. FedEx... UPS and Amazon uh, delivering seems to get a lot of attention. FedEx is very much uh, in there as well. They are going to try, they're going to start a trial for autonomous delivery robots. To clarify, in comparison with Amazon and UPS, these are not drones. These are delivery robots. They don't fly. They're on the ground. And they will go around with packages and deliver them. Now, it, I think, personally, I think we are still pretty far away from having, like, little helping robots uh, all over the place. You know, having that be mainstream. But this, if this works decently well, this could be the beginning, kind of the genesis of having mainstream robots Going around doing stuff. 
Like, how different will the world be with that? You know, and, and kids born uh, never knowing the world without robots going around helping people out. Think about how different that would be. You know, when, when we're like 50 years old, 30-something years from now. And somebody's like 10 or 15 years old and you're trying to explain to them that it used to be that uh, you had to carry something yourself out of the store or push it in a shopping cart. Yeah, that that like that was a thing at one point. But now a little robot like carries it out for you. Like this is going to happen. In, in a not-too-distant future. It's just bizarre. I'll talk about it in a moment. FedEx is about to start a trial of their own uh, idea for this. I'm Loopy. I'm Loopy. trying to kind of picture it in my head, you know, a world full of little, like, helping robot thingamajig. Like, we're not talking drones flying around. We're talking, like, things on wheels or things with, like, mechanical legs or things with tracks moving around, like, doing stuff. You know, and part part of me is wondering, you know, if these things become capable enough, are people going to have like little personal droids walking around with them? Like picture like an R two D two type thing, like Luke Skywalker and R two D two. Like, is that going to be is that going to be a thing at some point? And then and then if these things become good enough at like doing manual labor. Like basic manual labor, like carrying things. How lazy are people gonna get? I mean, are we gonna get to the point where someone's like, I literally could not be bothered to go pick up that book from that table. Could not be bothered. So I'm just not gonna do it. Like, are people literally gonna get to that point? You know, like if, if they're drone or whatever, they're droid, uh, Needs to charge or whatever, so it's, like, decommissioned for, like, ten minutes. Are people, like, not going to do anything during that time rather than just sit there? I mean, that's, like, a pretty apocalyptic view, but you got to start asking, you know, like, on what kind of scale is that going to be true if these things become mainstream? I mean, it's certainly worth thinking about. It's crazy, too, but FedEx is showing us that uh, this could be a bit of a reality sooner than we might first think. They're going to start rolling out autonomous delivery robots this summer. They're going to start trying them. I didn't write write down where this is from, but a woman named Rachel England wrote it this morning. It says uh, FedEx is making its first moves 
into autonomous delivery. The company announced today it is working on the same-day bot, a small vehicle that can travel independently along sidewalks and roadsides, helping retailers make same-day and last-mile deliveries to their customers. So the idea is, say you're in a city, you have a shop that sells T-shirts. Someone a few blocks down in that city orders a T-shirt. You just put the T-shirt in the little container that this robot has, and it goes down the sidewalk and delivers it to the front door. That's the idea. We're not talking about, like, sending these robots off to another state to deliver something. That's impractical. But we're also talking about making deliveries a little bit faster by uh, possibly having these things go the final leg of a journey. Instead of having the FedEx person or the UPS person drop it off on the doorstep, they just give it to the robot, and the robot goes, goes and does that. Decent idea. They call that a last-mile delivery. The uh, These robots will feature, uh, they say, pedestrian-safe tech, multiple cameras, LiDAR, whatever that is, sounds cool, uh, and machine learning to help it detect and avoid obstacles. So it'll kind of learn as it goes. It'll also learn to help navigate uneven surfaces. I mean, that just sounds, yeah, I mean, that sounds like stuff it needs. That's what they've got to figure out. How to keep it safe around people. How to keep people safe around it. It's got to have cameras in order to see. LiDAR. Sounds awesome. I hope it works just because of the name. Uh, and uh, the ability to kind of learn and adapt based off of its own experiences. Now, FedEx doesn't anticipate the bot replacing its existing same-day delivery services, but instead complementing them. So it wouldn't replace, it would just be a helper. Trials for this kick off this summer in a number of areas, including Memphis, Tennessee, as well as between FedEx office locations. Now, it's not just FedEx just trying to do this on random things. They've got some companies on board as well. AutoZone is uh, on board with this. So it's Pizza Hut, Target, and Walmart. They're on board to help out with initial testing. Pizza Hut. You know those DiGiorno commercials that say, like, it's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. And part of the advertising is showing, like, some high school kid with an old beat-up car delivering a pizza, and the pizza, like, goes all over the car because the guy's a maniac driver. Well, now they can make an advertisement with, like, a robot. I don't know. What would you do? There's so many things you could do with that. But can he see talk about futuristic ideas? A robot delivering pizza to your house. The real question is, do you have to tip the robot? And by that I mean give it money, not like tip over the robot. That you know, it's got cameras. It'll see that. 
it'll adapt and get angry at you. Good question, though. I'm Loopy. with some uh, robot-y thingies. Uh, stuff on the ground, not drones, but like robots. Um, very, very interested to see what happens with these. And uh, they're not really totally unique in that because Amazon is developing drones. And uh, all these companies that need to ship stuff they're really kind of looking to cut out the human aspect of it is what's is what's happening. Google is also working on some sort of an airborne drone for delivering things. Google's also working on an autonomous car. So the thought kind of has to come up here of what's another way that this technology can be used that hasn't really been thought of yet. Well, here's one that is just becoming a major, major thing that I had never thought of. And even if I did, I probably would have been like, oh, that's unrealistic. But check this out. It's like a Predator drone on steroids. Boeing, yeah, that that, that company, Boeing, is saying that next year they could be debuting their autonomous fighter jet. That's like straight out of Star Wars. An autonomous fighter jet. And if you know things about uh, fighter jets and just uh, kind of the physics of it in general, fighter jets... Even the current ones are too good for humans to handle. Fighter, like jets can make moves where the G forces would kill whoever's inside of it. So if you can make an autonomous fighter jet, these things can do insane stuff that you would have never seen before. Because no, like literally nobody could live through the move or the stunt. An autonomous fighter jet. And not even just like G-forces and physics of, of that. You also get duration. There are some missions that uh, pilots have to do for the military that take days. And it's brutal. And like they come out of these missions and they're just like knocked out for days. You know, they just need to catch up on sleep and rebuild energy. And you have to have insane stamina to even begin to attempt to do one of these things. So if you make an autonomous jet, it can go as long as the fuel lasts. It doesn't need, like, human stamina. It just needs fuel. 
And on that point, you know, we've been able to fuel planes remotely, you know, without having to make them land. We've been able to do that forever. So you could just keep some of these autonomous jets just flying around in the sky forever as long as you just keep flying up with another plane to refuel it. If this thing works from Boeing, this will be a game changer. All this autonomous stuff. You know, robots aren't really like mainstream yet. They're just not. They're interesting. They're expensive. Those like iRoomba things. Hundreds of dollars. Cool. Work fairly well. Yeah, this is a bit of a Roomba on steroids. It's Boeing's autonomous fighter jet. They're saying it could arrive next year. Here's uh, the article on it from uh, Rachel England. It's expected to take skies in 2020. The aircraft is designed to fly alongside crewed jets during combat, performing early warning tests, intelligence gathering, surveillance, and reconnaissance. The aircraft, uh, called the Boeing Air Power Teaming System, will help mitigate some of the risk involved in combat situations. Because it doesn't have a human pilot. Uh, and as a result, the jet will be able to, will be able to uh, fly for longer periods, withstand higher G-forces, and process more information at a given time. It's the first combat aircraft to be developed within Australia in decades. So it's the uh, it's the pride of Australia. Boeing has not revealed the costs involved in the project, but it claims the jets will cost a fraction of a manned fighter. So these will be cheaper than a regular fighter jet. So for the same money, you can get more of them and you don't have to pay a pilot or train a pilot it plans on selling the aircraft to customers around the world modifying it as requested so you can get your own uh, personal spec uh, autonomous jet fighter very important on my list for my autonomous jet fighter needs to be to my specifications without a doubt You know, no doubt the uh, the U.S. military will be interested. So I bet we'll start uh, seeing some pretty cool footages of things like this within a year, if not two years, which is not really a very long time in the grand scheme of things. I'm loopy. I'm loopy. So an autonomous fighter jet. We're going uh, well beyond autonomous uh, package delivery. Yeah, it's uh, this isn't your everyday Roomba. I mean, this this thing will make Predator drones look like nothing. So the U.S. is not uh, new to autonomous warfare of some sort. We've got uh, the Predator drones and... I'm sure they've got plenty of other things that isn't totally, like, mainstream knowledge. 
But Boeing seemingly has developed this without uh, the help of, like, the U.S. Air Force. A lot of times they'll kind of, like, hire Boeing to make them something. But it looks like Boeing kind of is doing this themselves because they're, they're willing to offer it to anybody. To your own specs, any uh, any uh, airborne military, not probably not. I bet they won't sell one to Jeff Bezos, although I'm sure he's got plenty of money for several of these things. So yeah, no no doubt the U.S. military is going to be interested in a uh, autonomous fighter jet. Given that it's had its own work with autonomous combat jets, is uh, in 2017. It revealed a similar craft that's designed to act as an unmanned wingman. Part of the Loyal Wingman program that aims to have autonomous jets in the sky by 2030. So the U.S. had a goal to develop its own thing. Our own thing, I guess, technically. Uh, By 2030, Boeing's already got a a big step forward. Probably going to be making a debut in 2020. One more thing, you know, if this autonomous warfare stuff, it makes you start thinking like Matrix, sci-fi movies, you know, robots turning against the people. See, it's fine to make robots that can do this stuff if we can control it. The dangerous thing will be if one day someone figures out how to make robots that can really actually think for themselves. That's when it becomes dangerous to humanity in general. I'm sure a, a uh, unmanned jet fighter is plenty dangerous, but not to the well-being of mankind. So I guess kind of wrapping up the show this week is uh, something I've kept on the cards for a little bit here. Uh, I haven't really been sure how to incorporate it. It's kind of like a mix between this autonomous stuff and uh, digital things, like the uh, digital advertising. It kind of all works together. The bike maker Harley Davidson. Yeah, you've yeah you've you mean you've probably heard of them, Harley Davidson. You know, they're hurting, and that's because uh, younger people aren't buying motorcycles. And they especially aren't buying expensive motorcycles, like Harleys. Well, the uh, the CEO of Harley-Davidson, Matthew Levitich, is looking to make a big move. He told this, uh, this article from Yahoo Finance from a little bit ago, about a month ago. Looking at electric bikes in order to try to get a swing back into the market again. Electric motorcycles. Now, part of the charm of a Harley specifically is the sound of the motor. They actually patented the sound of their motor a long time ago. If you're going to an electric motor, it's not going to make noise. It's going to be silent. I feel like that really would not be satisfying. 
I mean, like a sedan being an electric car, you know, it having no sound from your motor is okay. You know, you don't really care about the motor sound. But part of, you know, part of riding a motorcycle is that the sound of it and the feeling of the motor. If you have an electric motor, it's not going to have like a motory feel or rumble. It's not going to really make a noise. It's going to sound like a glorified washing machine with wheels. That's what it's going to sound like. I'm sure they'll make them look sweet, though, being a Harley. But the the CEO, Matthew Levitich, told Yahoo Finance, the industry challenges seen in 2018 in the U.S. uh, that they've had, they will persist in 2019. They don't see uh, any reason to get better. But he's hopeful. uh, The CEO is is hopeful that uh, a host of new electric motorcycles set for release this year will begin to alter how investors view the company's long-term sales and profit potential. So what that's kind of saying is they don't even expect to sell a ton of these things right now. They're just expecting this to be kind of like a statement of the future. Electric cars are only becoming somewhat uh, mainstream now. Other companies than Tesla are producing the the, uh, the things. Electric motorcycle, though? I feel like that really defeats the purpose. It'll be cool, but you really can't have, like, a chopper. It's got to be, like, a sports bike. Like, just going for pure speed. Part of the chopper is its looks, the styling, and the sound. Not speed. They have to make, like, a stealth Harley. This makes no sense. I'm Loopy. It's a sad, sad day when the reasoning for a company like Harley-Davidson to make a major change, specifically with bringing in electric motorcycles, is uh, summed up in uh, in the sentence, how millennials view the king of bikes. That's in this article from Yahoo Finance. Harley-Davidson, one of the greater American motor companies ever, is having to make a switch to electric motors, or at least start making them, in order to affect affect how millennials view the company. That's just sad. I really do feel like there's a lot of negative stigma on millennials. Uh, the generation coming up does not have that negative stigma, I don't feel like. And millennials, frankly, aren't, it's not like a massive group of people. It's not the biggest generation we've ever seen. 
So I think it's sad when a company that has a great legacy and has been very consistent and has made some great stuff is having to make massive, massive changes in order to cater to a a certain generation that has very different expectations of the world. Here's the kind of like the state of the industry address. This article says, uh, without question, the U.S. motorcycle industry is undergoing one of the most turbulent periods in its long history. The article says Harley-Davidson has thrown the kitchen sink at trying to uh, chart a profitable path through the industry's challenges. Some efforts include downsizing U.S. manufacturing capacity, investing more in research and development to develop new electric bikes, and revamping its marketing messages to target younger riders. Now, obviously, as time goes on, you have to change to market to younger riders because they're the ones who don't own bikes yet. But man, when, when you when you have to make a huge change, like switching from a combustion engine to an electric motor, just to uh, satisfy the uh, supposed demands of a, a certain generation, it's kind of sad. I mean, they've been making bikes really with a very consistent formula for like a hundred years. For a very, very long time. And there I'm I'm a person who enjoys consistency in great things. If something's great, I don't need it to change. It's great for what it is and and it needs to stay that way. But unfortunately a business is a business, and uh, if they feel that this is a really difficult time and it can be changed by switching to uh, an electric motor for a Harley-Davidson motorcycle, then, uh, man, it's a tough, it's a tough uh, pill to swallow for uh, someone who loves bikes. I have not been fortunate enough yet to be able to buy my own bike yet, but it is certainly, certainly something I will... Uh, Highly consider in the future. Highly consider. The CEO of Harley-Davidson announcing that uh, they're going to make a switch. All right, so the IBS Awards, we've been nominated, WSU has been nominated for seven things. Best morning show, best station playlist, best underwriting spot, best phone app, best radio music director, best social media director. And the best use of social media in general. Seven things that we've been nominated for. The awards ceremony for this is on Saturday night. So hopefully there will be some wonderful news to share. In two weeks' time. Next week, spring break. And I shall be out of town. All right, I'll be back in two weeks. I'm Loopy.